Welcome to the Athletes Record, where athletes share an honest account of the highs and lows in their sporting life, the things that matter most to them, and their hopes for the future. This podcast is brought to you in association with Gym Plus Coffee, an athleisure brand and community of people with a passion to make life richer. To see their full range, visit gympluscoffee.com. In this episode, we spoke to Connor Whelan, an All Ireland winner and All Star wing forward with Galway. Connor is also a teacher and mental health and well-being advocate for students. As a teenager himself in 2013, Connor and his family were struck by a terrible tragedy when his cousin, Galway hurler Niall Donoghue, took his own life two days shy of his 23rd birthday. I was actually getting English grinds after school on a Wednesday evening in Gort and my mother came to pick me up. Gort is right beside Kilbaton T, hopped in the car and my mother got a phone call saying that something was after happening in Nile. So we decided we were going to go out to Nile's house. The journey out was one of immense panic and questions and uh, I wonder what's happened to him and I wonder is he okay and the information can kind of get distorted in a in a panic situation like that. I felt like the longest drive in history really but we arrived at his house and was greeted by his father who was just on, on the couch. I'll, I'll, I'll actually never forget that as long as I live and he was just on the couch lying down with his hands over his face and he just said that Niall is, Niall is gone. And then obviously kind of get to the bottom of the story that he took his own life in the garage behind his house. And yeah, probably immense, immense silence and probably huge lack of understanding from my perspective. I can remember taking out my phone and Googling the word suicide and what does that mean? I was in Leaving Cert in Gart School and I didn't even know what the word suicide meant, which was, when I'm looking back now, was, was actually amazing really. At the time, I was playing minor hurling with Galway, and you know this was my idol. And just looking around the room, and everyone was just just basically lost for words. How do you how do you explain it? They say that no parent should ever have to bury their child. When it comes to suicide, I suppose it's it's an even more um, sensitive topic. The following day or two, he'd be my mother's nephew. She was his godmother. So basically trying to prepare for a funeral that's come completely unexpected out, out of the blue. And you know, his his funeral, I'll, I'll actually never forget that. It was probably the longest day of my life. Thousands of people came from all over to his, to his house and people were queuing for hours. Seeing all his Galway teammates carrying his coffin down the road from his beloved pitch to the graveyard. That's an image that'll stay with you forever as well and shows the unity of the of the GEA, I suppose, really. It was deeply, deeply challenging, uh, deeply emotional. You just have to learn how to live with it. As a young person at the time, I suppose, I didn't really understand the gravity of the situation. And as the years go on, you start to understand it better. I'm in around the same age as he was. That brings with it as well questions of what did he experience at this age and, you know, is there anything that could have been done for him? Smith again. This time it's Niall Donoghue, and Donoghue hits a beauty! First ever time to score in the championship. 21-year-old Niall Donoghue from Kilbacon T gets his first point and makes it 1-7 to 3 points. 
Niall had that profile of playing with Galway and playing in our final in 2012 and being nominated for an All-Star and the whole concept is is to show that it doesn't really matter how perfect or, or imperfect your life looks at the end of the day there, there can be a lot going on on behind the smile and behind the person. He was probably struggling to hold down a full-time job and probably missed work a couple of times. But, you know, did I or, or, or the family ever think that it would come to what it did? Definitely not. I'm 24 now. My birthday was there on the, on the 31st of October of last year. Feeling at the age of 24 that, unfortunately, Niall, Niall never got to see this this year. And, you know, how young I am. And that brings up a number of, of emotions, really. And I suppose everybody deals with, deals with challenges and grief like that in their own way. But say that these things get get easier with time I suppose I'm I'm not so sure that's that's very accurate it's something that stays with you forever and probably changes your perspective a small bit but yeah look at we as a family have had to learn how to deal with that and there isn't a week that goes by without thinking about them and I'm sure it's it's the same for a number of families, unfortunately, throughout the country, and it is happened to to a greater level than what's been reported, which is also another another issue in its own right. We as humans were always taught survival at all costs, and then to think that you know some people can be in so much pain and so much suffering that they feel like that's the right thing to do at the time. And uh, as part of my research. I came upon an interesting analogy of somebody who decides to take their own life. It's almost as if they're standing on the top floor of a skyscraper and it's on fire from the bottom up and they kind of make an erratic decision to jump. And sometimes we think that it's a, it's a calculated decision or they're making it in the right frame of mind, but you know, unfortunately they're not and unfortunately they're suffering. Niall Donoghue was one of the brightest young talents in Galway Hurling. News of his death by suicide sent shockwaves through the local and wider GA community. It was made all the more distressing by the fact that there were no obvious warning signs, leaving his family, friends and teammates to wonder what had been missed when it came to Niall's silent struggle with his mental health. With suicide, I suppose it leaves so much questions and what ifs, and you know how could we've how could we've helped him or, or done something different, and that continues to follow you around. And I suppose you just have to learn how to deal with it. I suppose really, he was very very dedicated to sport. You know, often used to take to feet very hard and would nearly be over over analysing things afterwards. But yeah, he was a phenomenal athlete. But a very good person as well and uh, you know he was always very much the character in the room and he'd be laughing and joking and you know he had an incredible smile that would light up the room that probably makes it even even more harder to understand or identify uh, what was really going on behind the scenes definitely being an intercounty herder probably put him up on a on a platform where People thought, you know, nothing could possibly be wrong with this person, but, you know, that was that was far from reality. GA players and, you know, professional soccer players and whatever sport, that doesn't mean that you can't experience lows or experience mental health problems. And Niall probably felt that it wouldn't be normal for him to be seen as, as suffering with his uh, mental health because he's he's an intercounty player uh, playing playing for Galway and, you know, having won a Leinster title and, you know, played in, a, in an honour final. Um, 
thankfully the conversation has shifted a small bit in the in the last number of years and people have come forward from all different GA teams and all different backgrounds to say that yeah you know like we have been suffering with 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 different issues and regardless of how successful you are on the field it doesn't mean that you won't experience challenges or mental health issues down the line and you know i suppose that's probably a slight indication of where we're unfortunately at as a society that we we think somebody who's driving a brand new car down the road or moved into this perfect house or perceived on social media as living a great life can't possibly suffer from mental health issues but you know that's not true and anyone anywhere in, in their life can experience mental health issues the most important thing is being able to recognize that and and being able to take the steps necessary to to o- overcome those challenges and i suppose that's it really like it's it is it is a battle it's not it's not something where you where you go away and you have a conversation and all of a sudden you're you're perfect it's about being able to deal with it and being able to recognize how you feel and being able to use strategies in your life to to keep on top of your uh, your mental health there's a direct correlation between your physical health and your mental health and we're very good at looking after our our physical health and and we'd all go out and exercise and all this stuff but sometimes we're a slight bit more conservative about our mental health and you know it's 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 equally as important and even even teaching well-being in school you know the first thing that you teach your teach your students is that one without the other means that both them suffer your physical and your mental health are equally as important he was my my idol starting out from the start you know i can i can remember being being a young fella and getting number five jersey off him from playing under 21 and I feel like I owe, owe an awful lot of my career to him. Obviously, my family have definitely shaped me into the person that I am today, but um, I feel as if I'm wearing his, his memory on my on my sleeve, I suppose, really, and memories. Um, unfortunately, that's all that we have have left and being able to remember him on on a regular basis I suppose that ensures that he'll never be forgotten and I'm incredibly privileged that you know I was able to remember him on probably the greatest day of my sport and career. In 2017 Conor Whelan played a key role in helping Galway to win the All-Ireland Senior Hurling Championship bridging a 29-year gap to the last time Galway lifted the Lee McCarthy Cup. In his victory speech Galway captain David Burke took time to pay tribute to his friend Niall Dunhu and used the opportunity on the famous steps of the Hogan stand to put a spotlight on mental health. One other person that I can't let today pass without mentioning. He was soldier with us for years. Good friend of mine, first cousin of Conor Whelan. He passed away in 2014. Niall Dunahoo, we'll never forget him. We'll remember him today. Give a small shout out to the Terry and Terriers and Pieta House who are doing great work for people that are in, I suppose, depression and hopefully they'll help many more. You know, Niall would have been one of David Burke's best friends, Thomas's and Kilbaitenty, our, our neighbouring parishes. Uh, they would have soldiered together with Galway over the years. Niall's passing definitely had a huge impact on David. A couple of days later, myself and David were chatting, and he was telling me that he was up at up at Niall's grave the night before, under the cover of darkness, and left two slithers on his grave. An incredibly touching thing to hear. And then, obviously, he went out the following day, and got man the match and lifted the Lee McCarthy Cup. So sport and and life have a funny way of working. 
a part of me as well just wishes that that Niall was there in some sort of capacity, whether that was on the hurling field or or in the stand as a as an avid Galway supporter. And you know the the many more around the country that unfortunately lost their lives due to due to suicide and other sicknesses as well. And that's unfortunately how life works. And yeah, you know it was an incredible moment for me and for my career. But I personally have have loved my my first cousin to be there beside me. But yeah, it was an incredible gesture from David and being able to highlight the importance of it on the national stage like that just shows how deep it runs and how important it is, I suppose, really. I think, you know, everybody grieves in in different ways. The most important thing is to be able to talk about it. And I found that being able to have conversations with, with people about it, you know, even talking to his close friends and hearing, hearing stories about him and stuff like that, I suppose, that definitely helps for me. It's not necessarily saying it'll it'll help for for everyone, but you know everyone has their own own way of grieving. You have to learn to live with it. Really, you don't have any any choice in the matter. I'm privileged to be able to able to play for Galway, and I feel that I suppose hurting for Galway and kind of living on his his legacy to a certain extent. And I'm I'm there playing with a lot of his his teammates and stuff. So that's hugely important to me. And there's not a day that I. I go out and play there and that he's not on my mind. So that's a very special thing for me to be able to do. And I feel incredibly privileged to be able to able to do that. Last year, Connor embarked on an ambitious research project examining well-being in the third level education system in Ireland. Inspired by his own experiences as a student, his research has potential to shine a light on some of the barriers of tackling mental health challenges in our third level institutions. I've basically started um, a PhD in the role of uh, well-being in the post-primary education system in Ireland. So I, I'm a secondary school teacher. I teach English and history there in Colossaura uh, in Ballygar. I've kind of always had a strong link with the whole mental health aspect and well-being is obviously getting bigger in our schools in Ireland. When you're at the top of the classroom and you're looking down and you've You've 20 students in front of you, I suppose, just to try and get a better insight into how, how our students are really feeling in the classroom. And I always feel that uh, in order for students to perform to the best of their ability, you know, you have to be in the right headspace. And at the moment, I suppose I feel that even being a teacher it could be a bit out of touch with how students are really feeling. And I'm hoping to study that in depth, really, to figure out is there more that we can do as teachers? And basically, can we progress it to a level that... We are basically putting structures in place and offering coping mechanisms and facilities there for students to be able to recognise how they're feeling and be able to use certain strategies to deal with that, I suppose. This is only my personal opinion, but I feel that our post-primary education system has continued to develop successfully over the years and our academic excellence graph has kind of went in an upward trajectory. But the question is, does that come at a cost to and the pressures that that students are are under? Is it is it unnatural pressures and what what consequences does this have on students? Sometimes as adults, we actually kind of forget that we were in that situation ourselves and being in leave insert, having to decide your future, wondering, have you done enough? Are you going to get the points for your dream course? How do you deal with that if you don't get it? And then put a pandemic in, in the middle of it and push working from home, internet, Wi-Fi problems, lack of technology, put all these things into the equation. And it's a very challenging time for all students. And it's equally as challenging for younger students 
They're trying to use technology, trying to figure out how it works. And then there's also the stress level that it puts on, on parents as well. So it is a deeply challenging time for students. But I suppose my research is probably going to look at everyday life for students. We say that school is the best days of your life. It'll be interesting to see, is that actually a true reflection for students or have we moved away from, from that concept? I'm not trying to point fingers or say that teachers are doing this wrong or that principals are doing this wrong. There's, there's absolutely loads of resources. But I suppose in order to, to be able to better life for students, you have to establish, OK, well, what does, what does life look like for students and do they need more well-being resources in school? Unfortunately, in the, in the world we live in today, a lot of it is about fitting in. Social media has, has created that unnatural image of, of a perfect world and students see that and, and they look at the person next to them and say, I, wa I want to be like that person and how come I can't be like this person? And then we have, you know, likes on social media and people who are popular and why am I popular? And I suppose that's, that's an area that I never really had to deal with in school. So... I'd be very intrigued to see how much of an influence that has and comparison is defined as, as the thief of all happiness and I feel like in the, in the education system at the moment students are very concerned with social image and you know somebody takes takes a photo and uploads it onto their social media and says you know happy days but that image is literally only two or three seconds of their day like they, they could be having the worst day ever or the worst week ever and I look at that and I think well I don't think that because I'm 24 and I have certain experiences, but, but students, to see these, these so-called influencers living so-called perfect life, and, you know, that's far from reality, and I suppose at the end of the day, nobody's living a perfect life. Well, I have my own personal story, uh, losing my first cousin to suicide, two days shy of his 23rd birthday. I feel that I probably owe it to myself and probably owe it to others around me to, I suppose, try and do something as well. It's all well and good talking about, you know, raising awareness and stuff like that, but there is more to that story too, and being able to put your own mark on it and say that you conducted your own research, because the numbers have been on the increase of people who have been seeking, seeking help. Uh, I think I read from 2011 it's increased by 26%. And then I think we've three and a half thousand people under the age of 18 on, on waiting lists with CAMS. So I suppose my own personal experiences as a teacher as well, seeing, I suppose, issues with students and seeing firsthand the challenges that students face. Through his research, Connor has identified the need for the available services to match the demand. As our awareness and education on mental health improves, there remains a shortfall in available resources for those that seek help. There's probably two facets to that as well. There's also the whole aspect of the mental health system in Ireland, which at the moment is not catering to a satisfactory level for, I suppose, everyone. But you probably have roughly around 4,000 adolescents on waiting lists of more than a year to actually get a consultation to be assessed first and foremost. It's very difficult for me to be standing around at the top of a classroom saying to a student, yeah, you need to reach out for help. That's that's absolutely the vital message. But if somebody reaches out for help and then they don't get that help, that is equally as devastating as suffering in, in silence and not being critical of, of nurses or hospital staff or anything like that. I, I think the facilities just aren't there.
We are doing unbelievable work raising awareness. We have these campaigns to promote awareness, but sometimes I feel like it's kind of missing the point. The best analogy I can give you, it's like a company promoting a product that basically fails the customer or is basically flawed and doesn't do what it's supposed to do. And if a company did that, obviously people would stand back and say, well, well, this is this is completely flawed. But sometimes we get so consumed with promoting the message, we actually forget that people do reach out and people do look for help. And then they're unsuccessful or they're on a waiting list for a year. And the thing about mental health and, and your well-being is that, unfortunately, we aren't robots. So we can't be plugged into a machine and fixed. And it's a constant battle. And if you're waiting over a year to even get a, get a consultation, unfortunately, people will slip through the cracks. Obviously, the first step and the most important step is to, is to reach out for help and to speak about it. And for some people, speaking about it is huge help. But for certain people, they need more than that. And at the moment, we aren't really in a position in Ireland to offer that consistently. Unfortunately, there's, there has been a stigma there and we don't treat mental illness in the same regard as we, as we treat other, other illnesses uh, for one reason or another. The correlations between illness with mental health and, and, and other illnesses is the exact same. You recognise the problem uh, either by going to a GP or identifying it yourself, I suppose, and then seeking the necessary steps to overcome that illness. And unfortunately, we don't treat it like that and we kind of stigmatise it a small bit. And as a society, that's our, our role, I suppose, of this generation to try and remove that stigma and try and make Ireland a place where, you know, everyone's mental health is catered for and, and, and we don't stigmatise it and we provide the resources there for people to access. It's all well and good giving money from the government for mental health, but if there's not psychiatric units there and beds for people who, who come into hospital seeking help, there has been accounts of people coming in seeking help and being sent home because there's no beds and unfortunately losing their life. And We're in the 21st century here in, here in Ireland and, and, and we're so far advanced in, in certain aspects of life, but then our mental health system is basically equivalent of of 1950s Ireland which is it's actually incredible to think about in 2021 but that is the reality I suppose really and we need to continue to push it and try and put as much pressure on the powers that be to try and try and do something and try and make a change and be the government that actually changed and altered the, the mental health system in Ireland for the better I suppose. Connor's experiences have shaped his commitment to advancing mental health awareness, education and services, something he feels will always be part of his life, and as one of the country's top hurlers, he will continue to use his profile to advance the conversation around mental health. I've been very fortunate to, to go through college, undergraduate in arts, and then do a master's in education, and you know, my parents have always helped me in my dreams, I suppose, and, and where I wanted to go, and I've always looked at the idea of doing the PhD and going into the line of maybe lecturing or maybe, you know, doing talks. I was actually having a conversation with a former lecturer of mine over, over Zoom and I was thinking about doing history or doing English and he just said, you know, I've actually read a couple of articles you've done and why don't you do it in, in mental health and well-being? And that was kind of a light bulb moment for me, really, because I'm, I'm, I'm very passionate about it and I feel like there can be so much more that's done. and. 
I just think for me, I'd like to be able to look back and say that, yeah, I did talk about it and I did talk about Nile and stuff, but I also did extensive research and I actually helped to write write a piece on how students' lives can be improved in school and who knows where that'll take and I'd like to try and influence that and try and try and make it better, I suppose, really. I'd like to be able to look back not not only on my intercounty career but also on my career off the hurling field and say that I did do something and, and I and I try to help people and try and I suppose leave a legacy that way and I'm incredibly lucky to be in a position to do that. Through being a teacher and, and having fellow teachers um and having the resources to go and do that. I think it'd be a great thing to do, not only for me but also for students. If we could establish a consensus at grassroots um, and try and put steps in place, obviously there is there is lots of steps in place, but I suppose try and improve that and try and improve life for for students at school and try and give them learnings for life that they can take on to on to third level or wherever they they decide to go in life. Obviously, you know, students the the standard of education is huge and and it's and it's continuing to improve, but well-being is is a huge part of that and you know how do I as a teacher stand at the top of the room and expect a student to perform to the best of his or her ability if they're not in in the right headspace and I suppose trying to give them the tools this is things that can change somebody's life and if somebody gets understanding and uh, gets those those strategies at at such a young age could potentially change their life for the better I suppose really. We as a society sometimes we probably struggle with what to say to people but you know the best thing that you can do is, if somebody o- opens up to you, is, is to a- actually listen and to actually validate their thoughts. I suppose really, and just to be there for them. And you know, especially during these tough times, to to make the effort to ring somebody or or to text somebody and to keep on to somebody, because we can all get lost in this in this pandemic and find ourselves getting getting isolated. So the importance of reaching out to people and keeping contact even for yourself, is is actually so important at this tough time. And it's something that will continue to be there. Unfortunately, we as a, as a society, I suppose, have to try and see can we do more as, as individuals and, I suppose, together. And, you know, there has been great work done. Even in my own hometown, Kinmara Alive have, have, have started a product there of providing services for people and every part of the country has experienced mental health issues and and suicide it continues to be something that that we all have to be conscious with and have to consistently um, try to improve and try to remove the stigma and try to open up the conversation and try and encourage the powers that be to create better services for people to live better lives i suppose really if you or someone you know are suffering mental health issues or in suicidal distress or engaged in self-harm, you can call Pieta House for free 24-hour support on 1-800-247-247 or simply text HELP to 51444. Or for expert mental health advice for young people across Ireland, visit jigsaw.ie to talk online now. This episode was brought to you in association with Jim Plus Coffee. Proudly designed in Ireland, Jim Plus Coffee was created in 2017 by three friends on a mission to bring high-quality athletic clothing to the nation that was quickly making the Corner Cafe and Ireland's stunning natural landscape the new social hubs. To see their full range, visit jimpluscoffee.com. This episode of The Athlete's Record was produced by James Wynn and Richie Kelly of Record Media. Special thanks to Galway Bay FM and RT Sport for use of commentary. 
Look out for the next episode of The Athlete's Record or subscribe now on your preferred podcast platform.